So, conversation about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Shall we pray? God, thanks for this time together. Thanks that I'm not sick in bed. Wow. We ask for your mercy on the people right now in the Ukraine. We ask for an end to that conflict. We thank you, God, that in the midst of every dark situation, there's not a single heart on the planet that is not known to you, open to you, and all the cries of the afflicted you hear and you never turn away. I ask that you would guide this conversation in this space tonight. I ask that you would guide the conversation over there in the youth space, that you would touch hearts, and that you would uh, give us a fresh hunger for who you are um, so that we don't get complacent and take for granted the gospel, your love, Jesus, each other, our lives. Yeah, keep us not taking for granted, but rather in a position of awe. Amen. So I have a bunch of questions, and Linda's first thing was, uh, that's too many questions. I don't know if we'll have time. So I said, we probably won't finish them all, and if you guys also want to interject observations or questions, that's going to be allowed too. So question one says, Jesus said no one can enter God's kingdom unless they are born again, and that no one can be born again except by the Spirit of God. So when did, when did you first receive the Spirit or first have the Spirit? And by which I mean, when did you get saved? Right. So interestingly, I was raised in church. We were there whenever the doors were open. My parents were very involved. But there was never an invitation. They don't believe in that, <laughs> which is odd. So I, I never even knew I needed Jesus. I didn't know. So no opportunities were given mm -mm. to start a relationship with Jesus. Mm -mm. So it wasn't until we moved to Florida and started to go to church there. And the very first Sunday that we were there, uh, and our, you know, everything was a mess in my life. Everything. How old were you? Um, 40, 38, 40, something like that. Yeah. And um, our neighbor invited us to go to church. And we decided, oh, maybe we should. And so we went. And the preacher, you know, I've never met him. And he, he was describing my, my pitiful life. <laughs> and I was just sitting there kind of crying. And then at the end, he said, if this sounds like you, you need Jesus. And I was like, I need Jesus. <laughs> it was like this revelation that nobody ever told me about. So, yeah, I was in like 38, 40, something like that. So we need to be giving people opportunities to start a relationship with Jesus more often in here is my first observation based yeah. on what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you just, yeah. So that just, it wrecked me. It changed me. It was like for the first time in in quite a while, because, I mean, everything was just bad. Marriage, finances, health, everything. And now I had hope. I couldn't explain it. I just knew that suddenly I had hope. And I just felt so free. Yeah. Those were the two feelings I remember the most. Like a relief. So you knew when you said the prayer that God heard you and his answer was yes. Yeah. I did. I didn't even know that I shouldn't. I mean, I didn't even know to question. 
<laughs> am I really saved? I mean, I felt it. I just felt this rush of emotion and like a dam had just broken and all, I mean, I just cried so hard because it was a relief. Like somebody else can be in charge of this mess of me and help guide me, which is what he had talked about in the message. Right. So yeah, like I really left there with hope. So it did, so it wasn't a, um, uh, prayer focused on going to heaven when you die. It was a prayer focused on letting Jesus be Lord. Yes, and, and take over in that's, your life. That's a big difference. Those two prayers are not the same prayer. That's so true, you know right? I, mean? I never thought about that. Well, if you're offering somebody an escape from a few consequences of their life, that's a different prayer than inviting them to surrender, full, full surrender to God. That's it. And, I think yeah. it was both, though, honestly. Right. I mean, but I think I was so focused on hearing that there was an answer to what was going on in my life. There was somebody that could help me. Yep. There was somebody that could yep. guide me. And there was somebody that could take over and just... So that hits right on to number two. What difference did this make in your life? It, it just made... a a radical difference. I walked into that building hopeless. I walked into that building just ready to call it quits, ready to just figure out how- Call it quits what? You're pointing at, okay. And, and our finances were such a wreck. Everything was a wreck. There just wasn't anything in our life that was going well. So like Monday you wake up, what, how, what's, what's different? I mean, nothing had really changed. You know, like our marriage still needed repairing and our finances were still a mess. But now I had hope. And that just makes all the difference. For real. Okay, so I was 19. I know. I wish I had been 19. <laughs> I'm serious, you guys. I really do. High as a kite. Completely blasted out of my mind week after week with my friends when I came to the end of my tether and said, okay, I doubt you'll have me, uh, who would want me, but if you will, please take over, and boop, like peace came in, and the peace signaled to me that, oh, he said yes, so then yeah, the next peace. day, I, yeah, peace, right? Right, Instant yeah. peace Instant just goes, peace. Shoof, and off goes this burden. Yeah, it's like a, it's lifted. A switch, and then I had this sense of God with me mm -hmm. that was not the same, I knew God was physically with me before, but now he was with me like we were, we were partners in this thing. And I knew my whole life now belonged to him, 100%, and that my whole purpose, my only agenda from now on for the rest of my life is God. God's the only agenda yeah. item, period, for the rest of yeah. eternity, right? So I wake up the next morning, God, you right? Mm -hmm. Next morning, God. Morning after that, wake up, God. Aware of God, conscious of God, first thought on the mind, God without me doing it. Did, did you experience something similar to that? By the way, knew no Bible yet. Yeah, I didn't know the Bible. Um, and just a little snippet here, my parents found out they weren't saved either. But it was a, it was a couple of years Who later when they them? came to visit. They, I mean, I just didn't even think about it. I just figured I must have missed something all those years at church. But 
my, our par- my parents came to visit and came to church with us, and they both went to the altar and received Christ. They got it. Like, they so they showed they up didn't. and said, this isn't what I've been doing. Do you remember that, Rusty? Yeah. My dad kind of crippled up, but he, was, he knelt down. He, re- he insisted on kneeling down at the, at the nice. altar. Yeah. So then I realized, wow, it's not, it wasn't just me. Right. It was my parents, too. So I didn't know. We didn't read the Bible. We didn't pray. None, nothing like that. So I, I only knew Genesis was the first book, and I was pretty sure the last book was called Revelation or something like that. But that's all I knew. And John's re- yeah, and not, John you didn't know much. I didn't know much. Yeah. Question three. So that way you were you were age what? Thirty eight. And now, so question three says, and and I'm saying. You can't, you can't become a Christian and not get the Spirit as a child or, or older. Oh, growing up, it was Methodist. And then um, the church we were invited to, there were stories shared. I mean, scriptures and things, but there was never, no. And I do know that um, a guest speaker did come and this was way later, like I was already saved and back visiting the church and, and a guest speaker came and he gave an invitation and the pastor there walked out because he did not believe in that. And I have since found out that there are non-salvation churches. Because somebody else I know that is in leadership in a Methodist church said, yeah, we left that Methodist church because it's a non-salvation church. So whatever that means. They don't want to be saved. So... What are you talking about? There's good Methodist churches. There's spirit-filled Methodist churches. Wonderful. There are. Oh, that's the that's like okay. We've been to a couple of them. Like the modern Pentecostal movement is a is a grandchild of the Methodist Church. Wesleyanism birthed Pentecostalism. All right. Okay. So this is 38 when you're 38 years old, and years later. Something else happened. It wasn't you that were... long. It wasn't that much later. I must have been forty when I got saved, and it wasn't that much later actually, because I didn't. I didn't even know what it was—the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So you've been a follower of Jesus for a for few years, a year and then what happened? Um, I had been following because my neighbor that had invited us to church was a huge Joyce Meyer fan. That's what they should have done. Right. Stop coming over here and turning our stuff on. <laughs> The heck? It's like me going into their bedroom, turning their lights off because I want my lamp off. <laughs> Thanks, Rusty. Um, she was a huge Joyce Meyer fan, and it's it's actually pretty funny because I love Joyce Meyer. I don't care who doesn't like her. Well, I didn't before I was saved. I would hear her on my neighbor's TV, and I would cringe. I was like, why her voice? Yeah. Oh, but listen to her words. She's so good. But this was prior to being saved. And after I was saved, I loved her. Yes. I couldn't get enough of her. I was constantly buying uh, CDs. It's just true. Listening and listening. And then um, she was coming to Fort Lauderdale to do a conference. And so I signed up to be a volunteer. And um, that day we all met you know to find out where we were going to work and then right before the conference started 
they said, you know, make a big circle here and everybody hold hands and we're going to pray for the service. And so there were mostly people praying in English, but I was hearing something else and I didn't know what it was. And it was people praying in tongues, but I didn't know what that was. And so when they stopped, when, you know, the prayer was over and the lady that was next to me, I was at the CD table, CDs and DVDs, and she was at the book table. And I, I, I mean, God just so ordained this because she was a nurse. So we hit it off right away. And I said to her, I said, can I ask you a question? I said, I heard people talking in weird language or something. And she said, honey, <laughs> that's speaking in tongues. You don't know about that? And I said, do I need to spit it out now? Thank you. I feel like I'm in trouble. Um, <laughs> it'll get in the recording. It'll be all clicky. And then it'll trigger people like me. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. So, Do you she, remember her name? No. I might have it written in my other Bible, but I don't know. Because that was a... It was, she was a nurse. And so she said, well, then do you know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I said, No. And she said, well, then we're going to go to lunch together. And I said, okay. And she said, I'll tell you all about it. She said, you have to know about this. And I said, all right, fair enough. Drop of a hat, this woman was ready. Yeah. And so she had a couple other friends that were there volunteering. And so she got them together too. And so you, you got now thousands of people leaving on lunch break that are all descending upon this uh, food court in Sawgrass Mill Mall. I do know that. Isn't that funny that I would remember that? Yep. And it was packed. And so I started getting a little, because I'm ADD enough that if there's too many conversations going on, mm. I can't focus real well on one. I'm hearing everything around me. So I'm kind of panicking now because I did feel like this is really important and I need to be able to hear everything. So I'm looking around and it was so loud in there. And I'm just kind of under my breath going, I don't know what to do, God. I don't know what to go do. And this is where I, I, I'll just tell you the story. She and two other ladies, they're like, okay, you know, we got our trays. We're sitting down. And she leans in. And as soon as she leaned in and started to talk to me, everything went silent, which freaked me out because people are still moving. Right. <laughs> There's no sound. And I'm like, I, let, I was freaking out inside big time because I didn't know what was going on. And, you know, I was wishing Rusty was there so I could go. Anyway, so she tells me all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the whole time I'm, I'm listening now, I got every word she said, but I'm also still looking around. Finally, I kind of settled in. And I guess maybe I realized, okay, this is God providing <laughs> for me to be able to hear everything that this woman and her friends are telling me. And so they prayed right there at the table for me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I didn't feel, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel any difference. Um, and they had asked me, do you want to receive? And I said, absolutely. So they prayed for me. And when, they, when she said, amen, boom, all the noise came back. And so I, I didn't even tell her that because I was really like, I, I was a mess. 
So that. What do you mean you're a mess? Um, well, have you ever had that happen? <laughs> like, I just didn't know what to think, and I'm still a new Christian. And I didn't know about the Holy Spirit, like the baptism. I mean, the Holy Spirit was mentioned at church, but not, not this. As a matter of fact, I, I was told, well, I'll get to that. Um, so as soon as I could politely excuse myself, I went and I called Rusty, because they were also talking to me about tongues. And I'm like, man, I just don't know. Like, I don't know. I know, that's what I said. I called him up and I said, I feel like this is legit, but... I'm also kind of freaked out. I'll tell you everything later. But is this in the Bible? And he said, it is. You're fine. <laughs> and I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> and so then I okay, felt even bye. better. Um, but initially, there wasn't, I don't think I felt a difference. Like, I didn't fall down on the floor. I didn't feel electricity or anything like that. But when I got home... I had to drive right to the ball field. Rusty coached, and I was team mom. And I drove right to the ball field. I'd only been gone a couple days. But when I walked up to the field, they're all staring at me. Like, all these boys and Rusty are staring at me. And so, you know, I'm like, do I have? And I'm looking. And Rusty walks up to me, and he's like, you look beautiful. And I was like, oh, thanks. And then the boys are all like, they're wanting to hug. These are boys. These are baseball boys. They're wanting to hug me. And they're like, and I would always want to pray, you know, like, do you guys have any prayer requests? And now all of a sudden they all have prayer requests. It's usually just one or two. And then we went out to dinner with some friends right after that. And they're looking at me. And, they're, and my friend Tammy's a photographer. She was a photographer for, like, Miss America pageants and stuff, and she would help with makeup and everything. And she's looking at me, and she goes, she can do makeup? No. Did you do your hair? No. And then her husband, Rodney, he's like, something's different. <laughs> but I'm like, it's not even clicking <laughs> that, that, that this is related. And so the difference that people were seeing, there was a difference that people were seeing, but then when I was at church, there was this intensity, like I was intense. Hunger, going, I mean, I was just, I wanted everything. I wanted everything that, that I could get out of this Christian life. So how did prayer change? Um, I was bolder for sure. Like, I was learning how to pray for people. I had not done that before. Um, I wanted to know as much as I could possibly know about prayer. I wanted, I believed in healing. Nobody was teaching me about healing, mm. because our, it was a church of God Okay. from Anderson, based out of Anderson. That's all. I didn't know any of this, but anyway. Christians be splitting. I don't know. I don't know. So, they would have altar calls for healing, but I never saw anybody healed. I just saw people go forward, but they always came back the same way. And I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> like, there was just something, well, the Holy Spirit was in me and activated now, and I wanted to see everybody healed. I wanted to see everybody set free. I was just a maniac. That's probably not the right way to say that, but I appreciate what you just said at that last line. <laughs> It was a maniac. Um, Bible. I was so hungry. I couldn't read my Bible. Before and after, though, I mean. Um, 
I was definitely interested in learning the word because I was knew nothing. And I was definitely interested in learning the word, but after the baptism, it just changed. I don't know really how to explain it. There was just, I keep coming, I just keep saying the word intense because everything felt intense in a good way. I just wanted more of everything. Singing time at church, difference before and after. Um, so I'm in a church that's raising their hands and praising God, and that was very strange to me, but I did, en- I did enjoy worship. But now <clears throat> I'm like, it was just different. I, I could feel the worship. I could feel it different. Um, it wasn't just singing. It was there, was, there was something going on inside. And this was just all very new, and I didn't really... Our pastor was not for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, tell me about that. Okay. So I came back. We were actually in his small group, our pastor and his wife. We were in their small group. And when I came back from the conference, I was so, and I was excited that I was going to learn how to speak in tongues and all this. And so I couldn't wait to share it with a small group. But our pastor and his wife were on vacation, so they weren't there. But a couple of the elders were, and they, their eyes got real big. And everybody else that's there is like, oh, asking lots of questions. But the elders, there's two elders and their wives, they're there and their eyes are getting really big. And so they pulled me aside afterwards to very discreetly and just said, you know, we don't believe that. We believe all that went out first century church. That it was just there to fulfill the, uh, give the apostles the ability to establish the church. But then it died off. I was like, oh my God, I, I don't know what to do with this information. I only know what I have experienced and what I feel and the hunger that is building inside of me. So then our pastor... So you didn't, you didn't think to remind them that maybe God forgot that he stopped doing that? And I was speechless. Hey I God, you're not supposed to do that anymore, apparently. I, I was speechless. I really didn't know... And then I was in a women's prayer group. And so again, the pastor's wife wasn't there because they were on vacation. But the two elders, their wives were there, who I absolutely loved. And they were like, listen, you just got to keep this on the, on the low end. You know, you just got to gotta fly under the radar with this. And I was like, what? And um, they're like, yeah, don't, don't talk about it. <laughs> I was like, man. So then a couple weeks later, um, our pastor, he, he was like, hey, come on in my office. And I'm like, oh, crud. And I did. I told him everything. And I said, I, I respect you as my pastor, but there's not anything you can say to talk me out of this. And what did he say? He was, I mean, he was pretty cool about it. Like, he just said, in this denomination... Mm-hmm this is not something that we believe and that we practice and that we preach on. And he's something to that effect. And so he asked me, he said, I, I, love, I love the Miller family. And basically, if I remember right, I don't know, Rusty might have to speak into this. He didn't like, he didn't say we were getting kicked out. <laughs> he just... Well, he might do well. He didn't really say it like that because we stayed. 
but I did, I did pray in the spirit under my breath. I mean, I was trying to figure out, I don't want to disrespect him. I'm underneath his of authority and I'm in his church. Well, not really, but, and yet I got this going on. So I just kind of, I did fly under the radar for a few years. And, and God will bless that. God will bless it. Well, he did because I was, he knew my heart. He knew, he knew yeah. I really wanted to please him and that I didn't know how to handle everything that was coming at me. We don't. We don't know how to handle it. And, and, and oftentimes it's the, it's the young Christians that get touched the most ex, in the most extreme ways, filled in the most dramatic ways. And then, you know, I'm new in the faith. I'm telling all my friends about Jesus. And uh, one of my friends, his mom is, have you ever heard of a oneness Pentecostalism? Oneness Pentecostalism. They're Pentecostals, they speak in tongues, but they don't believe in the Trinity. They believe that Jesus is the Father, is the Holy Spirit. So they only pray to Jesus, they don't pray to the Father. Um, I think they would baptize only in the name of Jesus, not the Father, Son, and Holy. There's weird stuff going on. I'm not sure. But she basically said, boy, you got the Holy Ghost? And uh, I was like, as soon as she asked the question, the Spirit came on me in power and said, don't be unsettled by what this woman's about to say to you. Do you know what I mean? She says, boy, you got the Holy Ghost? And the Spirit hits me with... And I said, yes, I do. She said, oh, you speak in tongues then? And I said, actually, I haven't yet, but my best friend did all the time. And he would pray in tongues when him and I would, we would walk in the sandlot and just pray to God. We would take, walk, we would take prayer walks and we would just adore God in, in, with words. You know how sometimes you adore God with songs? We would adore God without songs, just with words. So we were just worshiping and praying and seeking God and sometimes I would have things I wanted to say, but I couldn't say them. And then I would feel them released out of his prayer language. And I would go, wow, I wish I had that, Lord. I wish I had that, Lord. And then we'd be with the guys Friday night prayer in my, in my room because we had a Bible study. And then we'd break up for the guys and the gals to be separate so that you could say everything you needed to say without feeling as awkward because, you know, gender stuff. Anyway, so uh, hard to confess lust after her when she's in the room. Not a good idea. Not helpful. Don't do it. Not helpful. Go to a separate room with just guys. So, and my same friend would pray in tongues with my other Mennonite friends. And he's like, not Mennonite, praying in tongues. My, he's like uh, some sort of Assemblies of God guy. And, and when he would pray with just, when it was just him and me outside and we were worshiping God, I was like, that is awesome. But when my other friends were there and I could feel that they were like, they were no longer praying because they were like, what the heck is that? And I was, I wanted to say, my, say to my buddy, time and place, time and place. There's a time and a place, bro. You can't just let her rip all the time. Um, but I really wanted my, I wanted a prayer language. So when this grandma lady said to me, you got the Holy Ghost? And, and he says, don't be unsettled. I said, yes, I do. Will you pray in tongues? Not yet. Oh, son, then you ain't got the Holy Ghost. Okay. 
obviously I had the Holy Spirit. My life was radically transformed. I got off of drugs all at once. I had a, brand, I had a prayer life right away. I had faith right away. I had a hunger for scripture. I had a hunger for worship. I felt high as a kite when we would sing to God. I, I would light a candle in my room and talk to God and the air would shimmer around me. I feel, I would feel God on the skin on my face and on my chest like every single day, every day, not sometimes, not when church was good, every day, right? Uh, all the stuff that I experience now, I, would, I prophesied over everyone in the youth group before I knew that prophecy was a gift that you, that you could have. Um, I would just know how to pray. I would just know what was wrong. I would just know what they were going through and I would just know what to say to them so that they would believe truth and no longer believe stupid stuff. And, um, but, but I didn't know that I was prophesying. So, okay, I get off the phone with the Pentecostal lady and I say to God, God, I feel you. I know that I'm, you told me not to be unsettled. And then I went out and I locked myself in the pop-up RV camper and I said, I'm not leaving until you give me tongues, God. And I just got on my face and I sought him. I said, I'm not going anywhere till you give me the gift of tongues, God. And the presence increased. And I said, I'm not going any longer, right? I have no idea. It was a long time. The presence got thicker and thicker. The air started to shimmer like it did. I felt them all over, felt them so heavy. I was like, okay, this is starting to get absurd now. Like, if it doesn't happen now, I feel like my body's just gonna give out. Like this, something's gotta change here. And I sensed him saying, step out. So I opened my mouth and out comes this nonsense. And I blushed, I got bright red and I was blushing like, like I did something so dumb in front of all my peers. But it was just me all my, by myself. And I was like, why is this so embarrassing? And right away, I remembered the scripture that said, whoever prays in a tongue, their spirit is fruitful, is, is edified, but their mind is not. Their mind is gonna be like, that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. Because you're, you're not praying with your mind. You're praying with your spirit. And the mind doesn't know, doesn't understand. And so it's like, this is dumb. This is dumb. And I felt like the Lord said, stop judging yourself and just offer that to me as worship. So I started offering the embarrassment to God as worship, and I've been doing that ever since. And I noticed that in times of crisis, it's it, different language comes out. In times of warfare, when my spirit is aggressive, different language comes out. In times of tenderness and adoration, different language comes out. And there was even a season when I thought I fell away but wouldn't you know it, that would come out. Yeah. Okay, next question. Question five, how are we doing? Are we okay? I just threw that on you randomly. But, and I, I, I don't know how to get the gift of tongues any more than you do. I, st I, don't, I don't know how you get it. But, and, and if you feel like locking yourself in a pop-up camper is what you need to do, then go for it. I don't care. I don't care. Like, I don't think there's a method, but God loves to pour out his spirit and he loves to give good gifts to his kids. Okay. Question five, having the spirit, I believe is permanent. Like, I don't think the Holy Spirit comes and then we lose him and then he comes back again and then we lose him. I don't think that's a thing. Okay. So having the spirit may be permanent. However, 
being full of the Spirit is not permanent. There are times in your life when you're not full of the Spirit. And there are times in your life when you are overflowing with the Spirit, which is why the Bible uses the metaphors of immersion. To be baptized is to be immersed. To be full is to be immersed, to overflow like a spring. So the Bible uses the water metaphor to describe the overflow and the filling. The Bible uses the fire metaphor to fan into flame implies there can just be a little ember so, so small that you can't even tell it's lit until you get down close to it and put your hand over it. Oh, it is still warm, huh? Or it can be a raging bonfire. If you, ne- if you neglect it, it'll shrink. If you feed it and arrange it correctly, yeah. So here's what I wrote here. If you neglect a mighty fire, then in a few short days, you can lay a baby down safely on the same spot that would have melted the siding off a house 30 feet away just a few days earlier. So Paul says, don't neglect the gift of God that is in Timothy through the laying on of his hands, but instead, instead of neglecting, stir that gift up and fan it into flames, 1 Timothy 1.6. So Linda, have you experienced times when you neglected the gift of God and let the flames die down? Yeah, I have. What happened? I think I, you know, even though I was at a church that didn't believe in the baptism, there were people, they found me, I found them that did. Mm. And so it was nice to have that group that we just prayed together and prayed in the spirit together and um, went to, you know, whatever conferences and things like that together. And it, it was it was just really exciting, and I think I took that for granted. And I don't think that, I mean, I'm just still processing this, to be really honest, because that threw me when I saw that. I told you I'm going to have a hard time with that question. Why did the question throw you? Um, all right, well, I'm just going to be really real. <laughs> because when we arrived here, that split had just happened, and so there was like hush, hush on the Holy Spirit, it seemed like. Not from you, but from people that were still here. And sadly, I kind of calmed it down. Because I wanted to be accepted, and I already had issues about coming to a Mennonite church because I wasn't raised Mennonites. So I had all these things going on that, and I noticed, I just felt like things were dying off inside of me. Mm. It's not a good feeling. And then I would, and then it would pick back up, and I would feel like on, I've had, I mean, it's been, honestly, it's been a roller coaster for the last eight or nine years. Mm. It, and I've talked to you about it before, you know, I'll, because I was really going on feeling. Ah. And, and yes, there are times when I, I mean, there were times Stan was like, man, the glory of God is all over you. I'm like, I feel nothing. <laughs> are you sure it's not the person next to me? Because I don't feel a thing. 
or he would, or somebody else would say, man, you are lit up. And I'm like, <laughs> because I wasn't feeling it. And I, and I know I talked to you about that before too. It's been probably a few years, but I was reading this earlier and, and I felt like, like in Luke 4, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He wasn't led into the wilderness by the devil. He encountered the devil there, but he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And what I didn't understand is that it was a time of wilderness training. and it was a time of training. training. And, and I, I wrote down, he may lead us into places where we will be tested, proven, and strengthened for our future ministry or just our future. And so once I kind of like understood that, that I was having more of an impact than what I realized. And I was sensing his presence and I was moving the way that he was guiding me. It just had become so subtle and I love fireworks and you know, the feelings and all that. I love all that, love it, love it, love it. But you can become addicted to it, which I did. And so when I didn't feel it, then I assumed there was a problem on my end. And, and that's, a, that's a maturity thing. You know, I hadn't matured to that place where I have the Holy Spirit. He has been activated within me. And if I'm praying and seeking and reading the word and, you know, asking him, guide my day, help me see people the way that you do, if you want me to pray for anybody, because I... Even the kids would get kind of like, oh, here goes mom again. We're never going to get out of this store or the mall or wherever we were because I always saw people that needed prayer. And so I was praying, praying, praying for them. I loved it, absolutely loved it. And then because of my feelings, I stopped. So when you felt it less, you did it less. I did it less. I know. I, I'm telling you. So that goes into That's the That's a sneaky cycle, isn't it? It is. And then, of course, you feel it even less because you're not cooperating as much. Yeah. So it was, like I said, it, it's been a roller coaster, but I've learned a lot and I've grown a lot through it. But I also have probably beat myself up pretty good. Like, I have grieved you, Holy, like, I have mm. cried about it. I have repented. I've, you know, said, I'm so sorry, I won't do this again. <laughs> and then I do it again. Um, you know, Rusty and I used to go through, I loved going through and praying for people during worship. Man, I just get so jazzed. Like, okay. She gets jazzed. I get jazzed. He would, you know, he would show me people and he would tell me who you're going to pray for and what you're going to say. Like, he would line it all up. And I'm like, yep, good to go. And then it started becoming less and less. It wasn't go over there and talk to Tom and tell him this. It was... Go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, go where? And it was a step out. And I'm like, ooh, that's shaky there. I, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable with that. And so I started giving into fear and feelings that, <coughs> and then I, I learned to push through that. And I was like, oh gosh, he showed up as soon as I got wherever it was I was supposed to be going. And he gave me the words to say, okay, this is fun again. And, and so again, it was a lot of what am I feeling? And I have to be really careful because I can let my mm -hmm. feelings kind of. So to be led by the spirit, Okay, so to be full of the Spirit is not the same as to feel full of the Spirit? I'm asking for a friend. 
Um, can you say that again? <laughs> so two questions, right? Okay. To be full of the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit. So to be full of the Spirit is not the same as to feel full of the Spirit? Because I heard you say that Stan would come up to you and say, man, you're glowing. And you're like, who? Who's glowing? What? Yeah. But I would feel nothing. what did I say about Moses when he came down the mountain? I know. He, he talked didn't. with God. He was glowing. He didn't know he it. didn't know it. That's, yeah. And so, like, it's been a journey of learning and maturing and understanding. And so, yeah, it's been a roller coaster, but it, it hasn't been. It hasn't been bad. I, I had, I can't read, I was trying to remember who told, who asked me this, but it's been a few years ago. I just know it was a man. I don't even think, I don't think it was you, but somebody asked me, said, you love the mountaintop, don't you? And I was like, oh, I love the mountaintop experiences. And he's like, have you ever looked around up there? Have you been to the top of a mountain? I'm like, yeah, I have. What's up there? Well, not much. Not much grows up there. <laughs> right. He goes, you can't live up there, Linda. You got to come down to the valley. <laughs> that's where everything grows. Then you can go to the mountaintop, have your experience. And, and I was like, oh, okay, but man, I really love the mountaintop. I, I would like to figure out a way that I can live at the top of the mountain. Yeah, baby, come on. <laughs> you know, so. so Richard and Jewel used to always say, Tim, the sheep need quiet, quiet, still waters and safe, flat pastures. And I would just look at them and get very angry because I'm made for those rapids Sheep that are flowing up in the mountains. <laughs> Come on, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have you experienced times when you fanned into flame the gift that is in you? Yeah, actually I have. And <clears throat> I, I looked it back up because I have it in the notes section of my faint yep. phone. But this was something, this was a word you gave me. I don't even know when it was, but... That one time. Yeah. You said... When I do out of discipline what I used to do out of motivation, I will achieve momentum. And man, I, I knew that was a word. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get back and I'm going to do out of discipline, discipline what I used to do out of motivation because then I'm going to gain momentum. And I do every time. And you know, that's where I got that. I got that from Jesus yeah. in the book of Revelation when he's talking to the Ephesian church that's lost their first love, what does he say? Repent and do what you did at first. Yeah. Do what you used to do when you were in love. Well, what did you do when you were in love? Without being told, you got up first thing in the morning and got on your face and spent time with Jesus. You opened up that Bible and you read it. You didn't read a little bit. You read it out of hunger and you, you, you know? Yeah. You put good stuff on the radio that helped your heart commune with him. You, you, took the chance, you took the opportunity to share about your faith with people who were not going to heaven yet. You know, you prayed with people because you wanted, like, you just, you know? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Repent, do what you used to do when you were in love and you'll be in love again. You know? Okay, next question. I didn't think we'd get this far, really. Yeah, we're kicking butt. <laughs> so I didn't really look at In that. Luke 11... Jesus and oh, this chair, is this bothering anyone else? Should I just... Squeaky. It's all squeaky. Ugh. It's driving me crazy. Oh. 
asking me to sit still? Okay, better posture. Let's try that. Is this better posture? Is that natural? Does this look natural? No. How about this? Is this natural? <laughs> I'd get a cramp in my low back. In Luke 11, Jesus talks about if you earthly parents are generous with your children when they ask for something good. You don't give them a snake. You don't give them a stone. You give them bread. You give them fish. Then how much more will your Father in heaven generously give the Holy Spirit to his children who cry out to him day and night? Now, what I always found fascinating was Jesus tells us exactly what the kids are crying out for. And it's what some people tell you you ain't supposed to cry out for. Right? Oh no, God's not doing that anymore. Then, then why Jesus say that in Luke 11? He wants us constantly crying out, crying out a strong language, day and night. And, and, and actually I feel like some of us who came from a more charismatic background, we still relegate crying out for more Holy Spirit to revival weekend. And your revival's coming up. Or, oh yeah, I know I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost because I prayed in tongues 30 years ago. What about lately, friend? You know, because when God pours his spirit out, what's he pouring into you? Him. What's the greatest gift he can give? Him. Dennis always says, the answer to every problem is more Jesus. He's right. Right? So Jesus is teaching us that I'm very lucky not to have spilled that water. Jesus is teaching us that it is normal for every true son or daughter of God to be crying out, I need you more, I need you more, I need you more, I need more of you, I need more of you. Can you give me more of you? Can you pour some more of you? I need to hear more of your voice, God. I need more of your presence. I need more of your love. I need more of your peace. I need more of your hope. I need more of your joy. Why? Because we're facing stuff that's beyond us. And we're here to represent the king. Can I represent the king? Not without him. Right. Holy cow. When I'm in the flesh, y'all know it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You'd be like, ooh, yuck. And it doesn't take long. I was crying the other day because I was like, I didn't have my prayer time this morning and I don't like anybody by afternoon? That was quick. <laughs> yeah, so we're not crying out because we're like, it just feels so fun to be in revival services. No, it's actually a war we're in. This isn't selfishness we're praying out of. We're trying to work out love here, people, right? So this is not just like, oh, that's a cute prayer, Jesus. Cut a little bit of Pentecostalism in there. No, this is life or death. Okay, so. Any additional thoughts after I've basically preached a mini sermon on that? <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> okay, how about prayer and fasting? How do prayer and fasting relate to the topic of being filled with the Spirit? Well, I mean, prayer definitely, and then fasting, you mean you're emptying yourself out is how I learned. That's what I learned is you're emptying yourself out. You're dying to your flesh. And I've, I know Rusty would say too, we've had some of the most off the chart experiences 
when we've been fasting. Um, yeah, I could probably spend literally two hours talking about just the supernatural experiences that we've had that, yeah, it, it, it marks you for life. Like, Say one. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Well, we had come back from a conference, and before we went, like, we love going to conferences, you know, getting away, staying in a hotel, eating out, like, that's, that's joyous. <laughs> not cooking, not cleaning, <laughs> not laundry. <laughs> All of the above. And, uh, but right before we left, I sensed to fast that weekend. And I'm like, oh man, That's Rusty did not fat. Rusty did not sense that. He had no trouble eating. In and front of you? In front of me. I told him he could. I was like, go ahead. I mean, he would have gone without because he's done that before. He's fasted and I haven't. But normally we do it together. But this was such last minute. And I was like, wow, I really feel it strongly. So, okay. So we fasted that weekend. Um, had a great weekend, you know, pretty cool things happened. But when we got back, do you remember this? We were, we were at your mom and dad's, we were living there at your mom and dad's and we had the recliners pulled together. So, and we were watching a movie. We were just watching a movie and all of a sudden <coughs> I saw like a glimpse of something like whitish gold down the hallway. And I said, I just, did you see that? And he goes, no. He said, it's probably an angel because he sees angels all the time. Oh, this guy. This I know, guy right all here. the time. This guy. And so all of a sudden, my body started shaking like wild. I'm in the recliner. <laughs> just, and I was like, hold my hand. <laughs> he's like, why? Because he's kind of looking at me like, what in the heck is going on? Because we're just watching a movie. The movie wasn't paused. I just in a split second said, I saw something whitish gold. And he's like, it's probably an angel. And then wham. wham. And so he's holding my hand, and I'm, like, shaking him because it's getting really violent. And I was like, pause the movie. <laughs> and so he hit pause. And I, I don't know why I said that. I didn't want to miss the movie, I guess. But um, I don't know. And, and um, so, like, we couldn't have rewound it. Um, so he's holding my hand, and now he's shaking because I'm shaking. And I was like, pray. <laughs> I don't know what I wanted him to pray, but I just seemed like the logical thing to do. And I don't know how long it went on, but I was in that recliner just like I was having a seizure. It was a while. And I didn't want it to stop, honestly. Yes, because I mean, you knew it was, it was of, God. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, knew, yeah. I knew that it was, and so I was okay with it. Um, but it, it went on for a while. Sometimes when, when God is doing something like that, do you, do you understand what he's doing? No. Yeah, me neither. But you know no. it's God, and so you want him to increase it and do yeah. more of it because you know that if it's God, it's good. Right. If perfect, love is, if, if perfect love is asking me to offer it, it's worth it. And if perfect love is, is, a, is doing this, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead to good fruit. So yeah. sometimes I, I remember seeing encounters that other people seem to be having with God. Notice my waffle language there, seemed to be having with God, mm -hmm. that I thought, um, 
no, thank you. But when it happened to me, I knew it was God. And I also understood fully that this should probably not be filmed and put online right? (laughs) for everyone's sake. Right. But the outcome in my life is undisputable. Right. You might, you might not be able to tell whether something's God, mental illness, some sort of overdose, or a demon based on the physical manifestation of that's it. That's so true. But that's not the fruit. The fruit's not right then and there. Fruit takes time to develop. The fruit is what happens in their heart, in their life, and how, how is, how, are they, did they fall in love more with Jesus through the experience? Does their hunger for the Lord increased? Is their hunger and appreciation and reverence for the Bible increased? Is their heart for worship increased? Is their compassion on fellow sinners increased? Is their conscience more sensitized to the promptings of the Holy Spirit? Is their humility increased? Is there a fresh boldness to speak the name Jesus and do the will of Jesus, even if it costs me relationships or pride? Those are the fruit of those experiences in my life. And some of those experiences people called demons. But the fruit is glorifying to Jesus. And by the way, that's the New Testament that tells you to test the spirits and see if they're of God. That's, that's the fruit that confirms, okay, that's Jesus. Yeah. Loves Jesus, really does good. his will, looks like love, come on, come on. If you can't handle a little shaking in the package, that's just like, that's just silly, you know? Priests in the Old Testament couldn't stand to minister. Every time somebody shows up and an angel shows up, they tremble and they can't, they can't stand either. Yeah. There's lots of these manifestations that people say, well, that ain't in the Bible, and it's totally in the Bible. Yeah. Anyway, what else we got here? Oh, difference between grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. Is that for another day? Well, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've definitely done both, I know. Yeah, grieving the Holy Spirit is sin. Yeah. Quenching the Holy Spirit is when you miss something he was leading you to do, and it just kind of stops the flow of what God was up to in the moment. Yeah. It's not necessarily a sin. It's not good, but it's not the same as a moral thing. Like sexual sin, that grieves the Holy Spirit walking past somebody you were supposed to stop and pray for, that quenches the Holy Spirit. Uh, to, be, to keep in step with the Spirit, we'll repent of both of those, right? We want to keep in step with the Spirit, so we don't want to grieve Him and we don't want to quench Him, right? Uh, here's how Jesus lived. John five nineteen. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing on His own. See, I know the verse in different versions, so I pick which one I want to say. He can only do what he sees the Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. So how did he know what the Father was doing? He was in step with the spirit of his Father that was in him. So he would look around and he would sense what the spirit was up to and he would cooperate. And that's how he did his miracles because he didn't use his unfair advantage as God in his earthly ministry. He used his unique position of being in right relationship with God to do his miracles, which is now how we do them, by cooperating with the same spirit that he was led by. Now he's uniquely God. Don't hear me saying that Not he's not. And now in his position at the right hand of the Father, he's pouring out that same spirit into us and we are led by the spirit Apart from him, we can do nothing, but we can do whatever we see the Father doing, and we can say whatever we hear the Father saying. 
and we can get the same results he did because the spirit wants to come and do in and through me what he did in, the, in Jesus when he walked the earth. So Jesus is the model for what it looks like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Once he was baptized in the Jordan River, he took off. And from then on, where's my other place to put my right foot? Thank you. Once he was baptized in the water, he was also baptized in the spirit. Did you know that? He, the spirit was on him from birth. But in that moment, he became baptized or immersed in the spirit and commissioned and sent. There's something about being baptized in the spirit that we become commissioned. We become propelled. We become compelled, which is why Jesus said to the disciples, I'm preaching, which is why Jesus said to the disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed. Well, what are you before you're clothed? You are naked in human weakness, even though you believe in me, even though you've, you've known me, even though if you died today, you'd go to heaven, even though you're born again. You're born again, but you have not yet been baptized from on high. Isn't that fascinating? They were in that position before Pentecost, born again by the Spirit, who, who am I, says, says Jesus. Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but spirit of my father. You wouldn't even know who I am if it weren't the spirit at work in you, Peter. But has he yet been baptized from, with power from on high? Not yet. Jesus' turn was in the Jordan. Their turn was on the day of Pentecost. And just like it propelled and compelled him to fulfill Isaiah, what is it, 61? Right, Carolyn Biggs? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's what Jesus said, whoosh, when he launches his ministry. And then when that happened to them on, on the on day of Pentecost, whoosh, off to the races. The same dudes that fled at his arrest now stand boldly in front of the Sanhedrin and they don't even look like they're intimidated. We must obey God rather than men. What happened to you? I got baptized. I'm no longer naked. I'm no longer totally feeling ashamed and, and scared and un unclothed. And here's a fun little theory, guys. Dallas Willard said, do you know why God didn't need to make them clothes until after they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Right? They didn't know they were naked before, right? He said, so Dallas says, what was their clothing before the fall? The glory of God. The, they, the, the brightness of the glory of God. I, I love that. I love that stuff. Now, it's a Dallas Willard personal theory and I agree with it. Okay, final one. Throughout the Bible, God mediates some of the most intense divine encounters through authorized representatives. One of my favorite stories is the, and this is part of why this special, the word Brian Connolly gave us back in 2012 about a school of prophets. One of my favorite Old Testament stories is the school of prophets that Samuel's a part of. And when people would get around them, by school, it doesn't mean like a group of people who sit there with notepads and like have lectures. It, it's more like a school of fish. <laughs> they are roaming around the countryside worshiping 
in a state of ecstatic joy, just adoring God and worshiping. And then if people get too close to them, they get caught up in mystical encounters with God that they are physically unable to resist. And, and then people look at you and they say, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He'll never do, make you do anything that you don't have full control of. And I'm like, then why can't I move my legs? Um, so Saul's looking for a donkey. Go ahead, Carolyn Biggs. I would have to Google it. Google knows all the Bible references that I forget. So Saul's looking for a donkey and he gets in with this group of, of the school of prophets and it says that he strips his clothes off and he lays naked for three days and he prays and prophesies and he says he became a different person. And then it began to be said about him, is Saul also among the prophets. And this is like foreshadowing the New Testament when the spirit is not just poured out on a few roaming prophets, but poured out on all Christians, men and women, young and old, all the nations, all the Gentiles, all the people of the earth who call on Jesus are forgiven of sins saved, brought into covenant, and baptized in the same Holy Spirit. So you know we're in the last days, by the way. We've been in the last days for a while now, or this wouldn't be happening. And okay, notice it happens through the laying on of hands. It's when they got around those, those people. It's when, it's when the apostles laid their hands on people. For some of us, it's when Brian Connolly or when Randy Clark laid his hands on my head and said, Father, transfer to Tim everything you've put into me. And I felt nothing, by the way. And then I'm standing right there, right where you are, Terry. And I said, I shared that story with a few of my friends on a day when I was fasting. And I didn't feel anything. I wasn't even praying it. I just told them the story. And when I told the story and I put my hand on his head, I repeated the words and the guy went back and the woman knocked into the woman and the woman fell down into the chair and laid there and prophesied for about an hour. And I felt nothing. And I said, what happened? I felt nothing. Going back to the feeling thing. But what is going on? Why does, well, I guess I won't ask the question why as much as, Linda, what, what has been your experience regarding impartation of the presence of God through the laying on of hands? That was a four-minute preface to a question. Do you mean receiving it or giving it? Both. Well, I mean, I told the story when I received the baptism. I didn't feel anything. Did they lay hands on you? Um, yeah, they held, yeah. We, I leaned across the table, and they had hands on me. Yeah. You felt nothing, mm-hmm. and it still happened. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And it did. Other encounters. Well, remember when Bim was here? Who? Bim. Remember Bim? I do remember Bim. Yeah. Yeah. That was the shaking time. That's the time that I saw you shake. Yeah. I mean, I literally flew down the aisle and landed on my back. Rusty was trying to get to me because he knew what was going to happen. So I felt that. (laughs) Um, Did you hurt yourself? No. I didn't feel anything. It was really, really odd. I know, right? Um, oh, because you called me to literally ask me 
if I thought what was happening to you was good or bad because it was so intense. It was really intense. I don't know how long I lay there. Uh, I was like, it's good. I think what are you talking about? Rusty or Cody, somebody covered me up with a coat. I felt very exposed. <laughs> there wasn't many people here. It was like a night service or something. And every time she came back over by me, she, remember she had that prayer shawl? Every time she'd come out back over where I was laying with that prayer shawl, I would shake even more violently. Like, I, I couldn't get up. I remember Audra coming over and going, you need to get up now. And I was like, I couldn't even talk. I just laid there, and then Dennis and Beth came over, and Dennis goes, she's fine, let her go. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis is right. He was right. Oh. I, I didn't want to get up. It felt really good. But then I was getting confused, because <laughs> this is going on a long time. <laughs> and... Yeah, you really do have to kind of turn your mind off. It's important to, so if you're singing to the Lord and you feel weeping rise up in you, can you do Jesus a favor and stop controlling that? Yeah. Let it, at, just cry. If, yeah. if you're, if, if, cause he is doing some therapy. He's, it's better than paying money to somebody who is just gonna assign you drugs to like, to suppress your feelings. Let it out. So, the other week when I was out in, uh, down in Florida, I'm singing this song to Jesus and it starts, I start just sobbing un, like from way down in there. And that was my first thought was, well, I don't know why I'm crying. So I should probably tamp this down so I don't make a big scene. And then I thought, no, 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 no. I don't have to understand what is happening in my soul to allow the Lord to, to touch and release what he wants touched and released. So I just sobbed my head off got on my knees, sobbed till my abdomen hurt and my throat hurt. And man, when I got up, I was so full of the Holy Spirit that I thought I was gonna pop. I was walking drunk and I was like, I'm gonna pray for people and they're gonna get wrecked. And everyone, every single person I prayed for, I, you could see they were getting Cause I was more full of the Spirit after weeping and singing that one song than I had been five minutes earlier. And the prayers that I prayed were a little more anointed with a little more of the divine energies than they would have been had I prayed five minutes more. By the way, that's what the Greek Orthodox Church calls it, the divine energies. And I go, that is, that is thank you for that language, the divine energies. Yeah, so every believer has the Holy Spirit, amen? You can't be saved without the Holy Spirit, amen? Every believer has the opportunity to be more full of the Holy Spirit, Amen? And Jesus invites us to daily seek more. Can I get an amen from that? Okay. And if it's God, it's good. Even if the package is a little painful. I got a rug burn on the back of my head. I felt like an angel was stabbing me in the stomach with a cattle prod, an electric cattle prod. And every time it hit, I would arch my back and yell the word, ah, very loud. And I kept trying to get up to get more prayer because I had been praying and seeking God for years for this encounter. I want more of you, God. There's stuff in me that needs to die. There's stuff in me that needs to live. I need more of you. I need more boldness. I need more mercy. I need more patience. When I preach, I need Jesus to arrest hearts. I have to be kind. I'm not nearly kind enough. I need, to, I need power to forgive people who I've been hurt by. I need more of you, Holy Spirit. So I've been crying out and crying out and finally the encounter came.
Brian was like, you wanna go get chicken wings? I said, no, I'm getting prayer. You go get chicken wings. I hope they were good. And Lori and Sue, Sue's been in heaven a couple years now. Lori and Sue prayed for me. It looked like I was being thrown back and forth like a rag doll for a while there before I finally flopped on my back and then arched my back and it was upside down. I saw Nikki Gonzalez upside down and I was like so embarrassed. And my, I was getting a rug burn on my bald head. My throat hurt so bad from yelling. And every time I, it, would, it was involuntary yelling. And I was thinking back of some of those Pentecostal Christians who I used to get so annoyed at. <laughs> Because I'm trying to hear a sermon and they would all of a sudden yell, whoa, and I'd be like, shut up. And I was like, oh my word, I'm one of them now. I'm one of them now. Thank God it happened at like 12.30 a.m. instead of like, you know, 11 a.m. in a Sunday morning service. Sometimes I still get those jerks happen to me. Ever since then, I've had electrical jerks happen in my nervous system. Because, you know, the Holy Spirit, sometimes he comes at 2.20, but we're wired for 1.10, something like that, you know? Like he's got the socket for the drying machine and I'm just a toaster. So it, it's, a, it's a bit much. And it'll happen when I'm on an airplane. I'm sitting next to a stranger and I, I'm like, you're not even a Christian. And it starts happening. And I'm not here, Jesus. Keep it on the low down. Chill a little bit. So I'm telling him what that pastor told you. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but here's, here, here's what I learned in that painful encounter. It hurt. It wasn't, it, it was embarrassing, but because I, it was messy, my pride had to die. Um, I lost friends. And I remember thinking about the question, like, what if my mom, what if my mom would say to me, you have to choose between this stuff or me? I, I, I imagine that conversation in my, my parents are wide open, by the way. But for some reason, I imagine this as one of my, like, I don't know, cost counting. And I remember in my mind just crying and saying, mom, please don't do this because I have to pick him. I don't have any choices here. But you do, you can still love me, right? Like, by the way, mom's for it. Just saying it again, mom's for it. <laughs> but you have to count the cost, right? So I got up from that experience and here's something that got taken away from me in that experience. Never again am I allowed to say to the Lord, that's not my calling just because something is uncomfortable. Like I can't say I'm not an evangelist. After that, I'm not allowed to say that. I used to say, I'm not an evangelist. And then one day the Lord said to me, what would you call someone who preaches the gospel? I said, oh no, an evangelist. And he's like, hmm, gotcha. Ha ha, touche, now what? Okay, you wanna pray for these people? Yeah, we're gonna turn off the mics. <laughs> Let's record everything we say for the next 40 hours else, if everyone else falls down on the prayer line except you, that doesn't mean you didn't receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't come one way. It's not a cookie cutter factory. It's, it's about being filled. It's not about what particular manifestation happens, right? So one day, Randy Clark had, it was an afternoon session at a, at a or maybe it was a morning session. And me and my buddy rushed to the front and he, he skips over us, like masterfully, like, 
Like, the, the guy's head to my right, the guy's head to my left, and not my head. Where's my, get my, my head. And, and both me and my buddy, and my buddy says, he skipped over us because the anointing perceived something wrong in us where we were not ready. And I said, what, dog? That's, that ain't right. I'm going to ask him. Because we were both super sad. You know? It's like, like pick me. Not getting, then you're not picked. And so I walk up to Randy. I said, what, is there some reason you didn't pray for me, my friend? And he goes, what? Right? You, you passed right over us. And he goes, I don't know how it happened, but stuff like that sometimes happens. It was not intentional. Make sure you go up if they have an altar call. I said, well, we're not gonna be here in the evening service because we gotta get back. I gotta minister in the, in, in the morning. Well, then there was an afternoon session and it wasn't even an altar call or anything. And all of a sudden I feel hands on me from behind and it's Randy. And he's just so tender and gentle. You know how he is, just very quiet and humble. And he prays that little, with that Southern accent, I can't do it, but yeah. He just says, Father, I just ask that everything you put in me transfer to him in Jesus' name. I think he said my name. And, and I, I, didn't, I was already feeling God in the room, but I didn't really feel like anything powerful. But I tell you, what, you know what I felt? Immense gratitude and love for Randy and for his sensitivity and for his concern and his care. And I hope that that has transferred to me to genuinely care about people and to give them my attention and believe in them. Because that sometimes matters as much as how intense the encounter is.